Thanks, Robbie. Well, good afternoon. My name is Ian. I'm one of the leaders here at Rotherham Evangelical Church. And we are in our new series, our new series in 1 Thessalonians. Um, and we're going to read to you a couple of verses from that in a moment. But just before I do, um, what motivates you? What uh, floats your boat, as the expression goes? What gets you up in the morning? What gets you going? Are you crazy busy? Are you crazy lazy? Are you somewhere in the middle? What's, what's going on with you? Um, if you studied economics or, or business, uh, perhaps at school or, or maybe at college, you may have come across something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, uh, basically the idea is that in our lives we're going to first of all meet our basic needs, uh, the things that we need like safety and food and those kind of things before we go on and meet uh, things like the need for self-actualization and those kind of things up at the top of the and it makes sort of a pyramid kind of thing and you, it's kind of idea is you you do the bottom ones and then you work your your way up um is that you is that how your life works it's about just meeting your needs um why do you do what you do every day? Whether around the house or at work or at school, big things, small things, whatever it is, why are you doing it? Is it for just necessity or duty or, or habit? Is it, for, if, is it for bad reasons like pride or greed or revenge? So perhaps good reasons to serve people, to love people, to protect people. Why is it that we do what we do? Why is it that you do what you do? Well, we're going to try and look at that today from 1 Corinthians. Uh, Ian kicked off this, the uh, series last week. And uh, I am going to be preaching for you from the first three verses, but mostly verse three. So let me just read those for you. So uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. And you might want to keep your finger there. You might want to have your finger over in 1 Peter as well that Robbie read for us because we're going to refer to both. Um, Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul, Silas and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you would be, through your Holy Spirit, showing us what you have for us in this passage. Father, we pray that uh, it would be you that we hear from, that I would be just uh, behind what it is that you have here. Uh, we need to hear from you, Father. Amen. So, uh, as you might remember, if you were here last week, Paul, Silas and Timothy have been travelling through what is now Greece. And they've uh, planted several churches. And they've planted a church in Thessalonica. And they were there for a couple of weeks and then they had to leave pretty quickly. Uh, and uh, Timothy has been back to visit the church at Thessalonica, and he's brought back a report that everything is going pretty well. 
And this just inspires uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy, who, who were all there, to, to write back, to write back to the church at Thessalonica. And uh, you can see there that is, the word church could be any gathering of people at this point. But in actual fact, it's the gathering of people in Thessalonica, who, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a Christian church. And uh, Paul, as he does in many of his letters, says grace and peace to you. This is something that the church already has, but Paul is asking that they would continue to have that, I guess. Uh, and he's then, uh, in verse 2, saying how he prays constantly for the church there. He prays with thanksgiving. Uh, there is a sense of diligence here. There's a sense of continuity here, uh, which is fabulous. And then he gets into verse 3, uh, which we're going to uh, dive into now. And we're going to think about um, verse 3 under five headings. Gospel motivation, obtained motivation, assured motivation, life motivation, and specific motivation. That's gospel motivation. Obtained motivation, assured motivation, life motivation, and specific motivation. And those of you who can figure out why I've picked those titles, see me after class. You might get a prize, you never know. Uh, so first of all, Paul is talking about gospel motivation in verse 3. Uh, we know that they've planted this church and there's some, some Jewish people, some, some non-Jewish people have come together. They have heard the good news. Paul has preached. You can see there, they, this is not a random uh, selection of people. They are in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. They've come together because they've heard the gospel, this thing called good news. Good news about God the Father and Jesus. And the, the news that they've heard is that, is that God is angry with their sin, with their way of life. But he has, he has had a plan to save them. He has a plan to save them. And so uh, God sent Jesus, his son, to earth to live a perfect life. To die in the place of sinners so that through uh, faith in him, through trying to follow him as best they can, people would have peace with God. They would be saved from their sin. Paul told these, these new Christians in Thessalonica how, how the resurrection of Jesus was the final proof of this good news, that they could trust in this. And in fact, that once they believed this and they turned to follow Jesus, that they would experience eternal life. And Paul is going to talk about that quite often in this letter. And they began to change. Once they'd heard that gospel, they started to change. Their motivations started to change. The reasons why they did things started to change. It was no longer just entirely activity. Sure, there was habit there. Sure, there was duty there to do things. But more than that, they'd received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit started to change them. Some, quick, some more quickly, some more slowly. And that's what the gospel does. That's what the good news about Jesus does. It changes us. 
it changes why we do some of the things that we do. Timothy's brought back uh, good news about that. We, we know they've changed because the report back is that, hey, all the other people in the, in the region, all the other churches, they're talking about you. They're saying, wow, look at these things you're doing. Paul hears this and he, he just has to then write this letter straight off just to, to encourage them. Wow, you've changed. The, the, the stuff you're doing and the reason you're doing it is, is different. And so he commends them for their work produced by faith, their labour prompted by love, their endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. He taught them when he was there that they would experience these things. He taught them that they would change in that way. And, and then they have. And so Paul's encouraged. And so he encourages them. In Acts, Paul's critics say that, that, that he calls Paul and his, his friends, that these men who've turned the world upside down. And in one way that's right, in one way it's wrong. They've turned the world the right way up. They've turned the world the right way up to show us what really is important and, and what matters. The, the fact that the truths that are contained in the Bible about Jesus change us and change why we do things. That's why this is the centre of the Christian faith, right? That those facts about Jesus, this gospel, is, is the centre of the Christian faith. Is that is it? Is it just a, a set of facts, something we learn by rote? Is, is it a system, a system that we learn and follow? Uh, perhaps like Slimming World or something like that. You know, is it something that we just have to follow and follow these steps? Uh, is it a mental exercise? We're just kind of like, how are we going to get it? Not at all. Our second point. Our second point is that... Uh, Paul is talking about here motivation which is obtained for us. We don't get it just by willpower or by following a system or following a set of rules. This motivation comes from the gospel. The gospel is a gift. Faith that we receive is a gift. Love that we receive is a gift. Hope that we receive is a gift. And so it follows that this is obtained. It is got for us by Jesus when he dies for us. These three, let's call them virtues. Faith, love and hope. These three virtues are purchased for us by the death of Jesus. They are brought into our lives by the, the Holy Spirit. As I said, sometimes quicker, sometimes slower. And, and these three, Paul's going to mention again later in the chapter, in chapter 5. You may remember they, they appear in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul talks about faith, hope and love. In fact, if you, if you look through, Paul mentions them quite a few times in, in the Bible. These three things. Faith, love and hope. Let's look at the first one. Faith. We know when we read the Bible that faith is a gift from God. It is not of our own understanding. It's not, it's not an idea. It's a relationship. Faith is 
is not in a system or a set of rules. It's not in a, a dead prophet, but in a living person. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Back over in the passage, Robbie read for us, it says that faith is worth more than gold. The most precious thing and that it leads to salvation to being saved paul tells us over in, in one thessalonians that it produces work in the book of james chapter 2 you'll find this what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds has no work this is not faith in a <coughs> dead person it's not faith in in 12 steps it's not faith in it is faith in jesus christ the living son of god and it is a gift for us well paul talks about love secondly he talks about love uh you might remember we talked about that when we talked about the fruit of the spirit at the beginning of the summer uh this aspect that empowers all the other fruit of the spirit the Bible tells us that God is love and that we are commanded to love God and to love our neighbours. This love has, has something of the, the divine in it. It has something of God in it. The Bible says we, we love because he first loved us. I love that phrase. That just, that just makes me feel, it makes me feel so loved, but it, makes me, it, it stirs my, my heart when I hear that. Um, it's not a love we could have initiated this. It's not the love of a system, of art, of our own comfort. It's not a love of money. It is love for a living Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Robbie, Robbie told us that uh, we love Jesus even though we have not seen him. Thirdly, Paul is going to encourage the, the Thessalonians in verse 3 for their hope. Hope which is a gift from God. Not a, not a vague hope. Not a vague hope that at some point I will figure out why the hedge at our house is dying off. Not a vague hope that I will at some point uh, lose a bit of weight. No, this is a secure and certain hope. A hope not in our own strength, not in our own intelligence and understanding. Not a hope in our friends and family, a hope in influences on the internet. This is a living hope in a living person. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Again in the passage Robbie read for us. It tells us that God has given us new birth into what a living hope. Hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. Friends, you, you may know people who believe in, in other faiths in conspiracy theories, in their own good judgment. You may know people who love their family dearly, who love justice, who love, their, who love animals. You may know people whose hope springs eternal every morning, whose glass overflows constantly. It is never half full. But if their faith, love and hope is not in the person of Jesus Christ, it will not endure. 
It will perish and fade. We read that in the book of Ecclesiastes a couple of years ago, if, if you remember that. Uh, if, if we were to read just a little further on from where, where uh, Robbie was reading, we would read this in, in Peter chapter 1. All men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. These three virtues are in a living God. These three virtues are brought to us by God. We do not obtain them ourselves. They're not human in that way. But if this, if this gospel-powered motivation has been obtained for us, does it always feel like that? Do it always feel like that for us when the when the dog has just been sick on the carpet, when the uh, we are feeling utterly knackered, when we've just realised that we have treble booked our diary once again with that dinner for people we've prom- promising to have dinners with for three months? Can we be confident in this motivation? Can we be confident in faith, love, and hope as to why we're doing these things? Well, the Bible lays out for us how God has worked in the world in the past. A world that's been characterised as rebelling against God, that has persecuted God's people, which is groaning while it waits for the king, the return of the king. And the Bible also tells us that there is a future age coming where that promised king will return. That's our series title, right? The Return of the King. Jesus will return to judge the wicked, to make everything new, and to live with his people forever. The Bible calls that the age of righteousness, the age to come. And we have, we have hope based in that, based on the promises of God. However, right here, right now, we're in an age that's, that's blended between the two. Between the two times we've received, as a Christian, we've received the Holy Spirit, the seal of approval. Uh, God has showed his staggering love for us in that and and that, that our faith is not misplaced because of that. And that our hope is entrusted to the, the right person. And so we, we experience faith, love and hope as we look back into what God has already done. Looking forward, leaning on the promises of what he's going to do. And as we experience Christian life right now through the, through the Holy Spirit. We can be assured of faith, love and hope because they get planted into a Christian's DNA. They become part of our identity. Do we always feel them? No, but often we will, as Christians, get that prompting to do something out of love, to do something out of faith, to do something out of hope. Prompting us. We can see here what a huge assurance this must have been for Paul when he wrote this letter. 
uh, as we said, this is a this is a new church with new believers, and Paul's had to leave pretty abruptly, and they're thinking, oh, are we going to make it? Are, are we going to make it? Our, our leaders have left suddenly. Uh, are we going to uh, just founder and drop to pieces? Are we going to survive this persecution that seems to be coming at us from from all all directions? So the, the Thessalonian church must have been worried about that when Paul left. But Paul's worried about it as well. He's worrying from a distance. Sometimes that's, that's harder. Will it fall apart? Will these folks go back to the, the pagan gods that they used to worship? Uh, will they cave in under the persecution that I saw before I left Thessalonica? Then Timothy returns. Timothy comes back and he says, you'll never guess what's happening over there in Thessalonica. Paul's like, what? And, and Timothy's saying, you should see what they're doing. You should see their works that they're doing. Their works which, you know, I think when I look at them, I think they're because of their faith. The labour that they're doing, it, it seems to be just that love that they stirred up in them. And, and how they're really enduring the persecution. They, because they're hoping in their eternal life. Paul's like, wow, that is incredible. And so he's assured and he writes to assure them. These virtues assure our motivation. But how do they actually experience it day to day? Is it also true for us, this, this obtained gospel motivation that we can be assured of? If it is assured, what does it look like? What are we, what are we actually talking about when Paul talks about work and labour and endurance? Well, well, first, let's talk about work. Their work produced by faith. This is day-to-day things we're not talking about everything that they literally do but they're doing things intentionally for god they are they are undertaking activity inspired by their faith spontaneously because of what because of what they believe and what they have experienced they have changed they wouldn't have been doing this before. Now they're doing it. And we're going to read in the weeks ahead uh, some of those things that the, the church in Thessalonica is doing. Their worldview has changed, been turned upside down. Whether they're busy or they're not busy, their world has changed, their motivations have changed. They're, they're doing, let's call them good works, just as Jesus did good works, just as Jesus taught people. As he healed people, as he encouraged people, as he did the will of his father. That's what the the people in Thessalonica are starting to do, the Christians there. And Paul's like, wow, you guys, you guys are fantastic. Paul's also going to talk about, he's going to commend them for their labour produced by love. Uh, This is different to the the previous work because this is the stuff that's 
a struggle. This is the stuff that's a real struggle. Uh, Labour. This is hard. This is someone who's working two or three jobs to make ends meet. To provide for their family. This is someone who is caring for a relative where no one else seems to. With long, long hours. This is someone who maybe is just struggling to get out of bed in the morning. And it is that struggle, that is the, the labour that Paul is talking about. It's no longer about actions. It's no longer about actions. This is are we willing? Are we willing to go the, not the extra mile, the extra 10 miles? Are we willing to do the hard things? Perhaps for people who we find difficult to be with. Can we do that? Are the Thessalonians doing that? Yes, they are. And they're doing it because of their love for Jesus. They're doing it because of this love that they have received. That's motivating them to do the hard things. Just as Jesus did the hard things. The hardest things. When he died for us. When he was tortured for us. When he suffered the wrath of our sin. Is there anything harder? Is there any labour harder than that? No, there is not. And it's because of that love that Christians will do hard things. Well, thirdly, Paul was talking about their endurance. Their endurance inspired by hope. Their, their perseverance. The culture around them, this new church, this new movement, feels threatened by them. They think they're, they're weird, they're new and different, and they don't like them. And so they are finding different ways to persecute them. The local rulers are persecuting them because there is news of this new king, Jesus. Oops, we've already got a king. He's called Caesar. And you know what? Caesar really, really does not like other kings suddenly turning up in his empire. And the, the rulers of Thessalonica know that and they don't want to suddenly find the Roman army marching in because they think there's a rebellion being started about this new King Jesus. So they want to persecute this new church. The, the, these Christians are probably being criticised by their family members. Why, why, are you going, why are you going to that church? Why are you going to that church? It's just a cult. It's just like the, it's just like the other cults. You do realise that those leaders left in the middle of the night three weeks ago. I mean, you know, they've brainwashed you. Why are you bothering going? Paul and his mates, they've just deserted you. Oh man, this is a waste. You're just wasting your time. They're getting it every which way and yet they are sticking it out. They are persevering. They are being persistent. And this is important because as Christians, the trials of life that Christians reluctantly but inevitably experience make us more like Jesus and, and make us mature as, as Christians. Not because we have, not because we're masochists or because we enjoy it or anything like that. It's because the Bible tells us that uh, persevering through trials and troubles builds our character and character builds hope and hope does not put us to shame. It builds this hope. 
the original language there for um, endurance. It's not passive. It's not, uh, well, that's life. It, it's the language of what, what one writer calls, I like this, the, the fortitude of a stout-hearted soldier. The fortitude of a stout-hearted soldier. Jesus told his followers to hope. Jesus said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. He said, you will be persecuted for my name's sake. He also said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so Jesus taught his followers to hope. To hope in the gospel and that's what the church in Thessalonica is looking forward to eagerly to an eternal life with their savior starting either when he comes back or when they die but either way they're looking forward to it and, and again Paul is going to talk about that in, in quite a lot in the letter because they, they've got some questions they know they're being persecuted they know they're struggling, but they know that, but their anticipation is so great. They're prepared to stick out the tough situations they're going through. Not just gritting their teeth. I'm sure they had to grit their teeth. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure they had to, but it's way more than that. They've got a, a thankfulness of what God has already done. They've got an anticipation of what he is doing, of where he's going to go with that. What they're going to see when they see Jesus face to face. Some of you will have met one of our friends from the Cayman Islands, uh, Heather McLaughlin. Uh, she visited with us five or six years ago. She tells the story, she told the story of how uh, she was in hospital for a uh, heart problem. She wasn't quite sure what was going on. Uh, she was having palpitations, you know. And she woke up in the middle of the night with a lot of heart palpitations. And, and she pressed the call buzzer for the nurse and she's waiting for the nurse to come in. And she thought, maybe this is it. Maybe this is when I die. Oh no. This is, is this it? And then she thought, oh, hold on a minute. Maybe this is when I die. Maybe this is when I see Jesus. Maybe this is when I see my saviour face to face. Oh, wow, okay. And apparently she sat up in bed, crossed her arms and waited eagerly to see which it would be. To see whether it was going to be the nurse coming in and, and sorting out her palpitations, in which case that's great, that's good. Or, praise God, whether she would, whether she would see Jesus. Miss Heather died about three months ago. And I, I know that she is face to face with our Lord and Saviour and that she is not disappointed in the hope that she has had, that she has not been put to shame and that that was actually well placed and that she is singing praise to her Saviour. And that, I love that idea. Finally then, specific motivation. Specific motivation, this motivation that we have got, that's been given to us, that is gospel motivation that can, we can be assured of, that is being worked out in our life, is specific. 
each one of us experiences a little differently, or quite differently, perhaps. If you are a Christian and you are here, be assured that your faith, hope, and love has come to you from the death, through the death, through your faith in the death of Jesus Christ, and that experience that you are uh, have of that being worked out in work and labour and hope is in part coming from a unique mix of of gifts and and your what you've understood from the Bible. Uh, there are many gifts of the Holy Spirit that, that we receive. Uh, God does not just want cookie-cutter Christians all the same. He, he, he likes diversity. That's why he's created us in this way, how he's created us all different. And so how, how these, these three virtues work out in our lives, in work and labour and endurance, are different for each one of us. So perhaps as a Christian, you're, you're working and struggling in your in your life you're, you're not trying to earn god points you you're you're not just being busy for the sake of busyness you're well motivated you understand the gospel mm. and, and you understand how what i've been saying is working out in your life but it's hard it's hard perhaps it's really hard you're engaged in the fight you feel you're engaged in the fight and you feel that maybe you're losing or that it's just tough. Brother, sister, what you do for Jesus is not in vain. He is with you to the end. No, your work does not save you, but God is pleased with what you're doing. Be encouraged. But maybe back in the day you were a mighty servant for God and, and you would do many nights of labour and days of labour and you would work through and do lots of mighty things for the Lord. Uh, but now you're in a season of life where, where work tires you out and you don't feel like you're, you can physically just do too much of that. Now it might be your role to use your faith and love to encourage others, to stir up others like Paul is doing here. A season where you're going to be leaning more and more into hope and eternal life. Maybe you're here and you have the faith, the love and the hope and you have lots of time and energy but but you've, you're not recognising what, what this says here. You're not recognising this in your life it's a time to check your motivations perhaps to think about why it is you do what you do just to think about your life to say okay why am i doing this is it just activity is it just duty is it habit is it meeting needs and we all need to do those things from time to time but is that it or are there things that we do where we're doing them for the lord are we enduring just by because we have to grit our teeth or are we enduring because of our hope in Jesus Christ. I hope some of you are in a, in a good place where, where life is good and you are content and that what you're, you're doing is satisfying and what you are doing, uh, you, you're aware that you're doing things uh, out of love and faith and, and you're persevering because of hope. 
and and that it's, it's tough and you're and you're doing well with it um praise god fill up your heart with with this experience fill up your heart with that hope for the times when that isn't true for the times when you're being pulled into a season where you're motivated by other things where, where you have you're struggling for the resources fill up your heart with those resources now so you're they're ready for the season when you're going to need them perhaps perhaps you're noticing perhaps you're you're noticing how another christian is laboring and working and enduring like verse three be a paul tell them encourage them assure them i've no i've noticed what you're doing I understand why you're doing it. I can see the love of God being reflected in you. I can see the gospel being reflected in what you do. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it, brother or sister, because it's brilliant. And it makes a difference. Perhaps you're here and you're not a Christian. I'm thankful that you're with us today. When I was describing Maslow's hierarchy of needs, did, did that ring a bell with you as to why you're doing things? Are you just being busy providing for the necessities of life? Is it satisfying? Is, is it going to last? Or, or does it ring a bit hollow for you? There is an alternative. There is an alternative. Believe in Jesus. Talk to the Christian friend who you came with or talk to one of the people you've seen here uh, uh, talking today about this Jesus, about this good news about him, about how he died for you, about how he loved you so much that he was prepared to go through agony on your behalf. And how by believing in him and by trying to do your best to follow him, you can obtain the kind of love and faith and hope that we're talking about. Not that you earn it, not that you deserve it, but your, your belief in the good news will obtain it for you. Faith and love and hope in the living Lord of the universe. That will transform your life. It will transform what you do and why you do it. How, how activity that perhaps has seemed at some point uh, mundane, uh, ultimately perhaps even pointless, can in fact be filled with meaning for the glory of God. Whichever one of those you are, whichever, perhaps, however else you're experiencing, faith, love and hope. I pray that like the, the church in Thessalonica, you would be encouraged today. Be encouraged in what you do. Be encouraged in the hard things that you do. Be encouraged as you persevere. Because they're coming to you through the gospel. Praise God for our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Gracious Father, We love you. Lord, we believe in you and we have hope in you.
Lord, stir our hearts because of what you have done for us. Not just to be busy for no reason. Not just to be struggling for no reason. Not just to be sticking it out for no reason and persevering, Lord. We pray. Now we pray that we would be, at least in some of the things we're doing in our life, doing them inspired by our faith in you. That when we have to do hard things, that we would remember your great love for us. And how you sent your son to do the hardest thing for us. And Father, when we are enduring and persevering and struggling, help us to look forward to that day when we will see you. When you will say, well done good and faithful servant. Let that strengthen us, put steel in our spine as we labour, as we struggle, as we persevere for you. I ask it all in the name of your living Son, Jesus Christ our Saviour. Amen.